It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well <laughs> on the free Odyssey app. Uh, is that how it is, Anthony? It's Dallas Week, Craig. It is. It is Dallas Week. Oh, for, you're you're not excited for it. I mean, it is. <laughs> I think this is what the phrase "it is what it is" was invented for. Yep. And um, I gotta give I gotta give Ron Rivera credit. I think I'm not gonna be able to say for many more days because he ain't gonna be here that much longer. Um, but like. Ron was talking today, and he was kind of riffing at this point. I don't even know what the question was. And he just goes, you know, so people ask me, oh, how do you get motivated for this game? And he's like, it's Dallas week. And if you're still that in it where he's at, congratulations. I do find the focus level for NFL head coaches and NFL people often to be pretty miraculous. Like, Ron is... On his way out, obviously, and he's like, ah, it's still Dallas week, and I don't know that it's lip service. Like, it is kind of probably some lip service, but it's also, like, how he's tricking himself to get ready. Logan used to always be a guy who was like, hey, I can, I got this because I have to. Like, my my career is on the line. He was able to, like, convince himself and get his, get his mind right for games with that survival instinct, even if the wins and losses didn't matter. Like, that's what it is to be a pro sometimes, is, is finding the motivation when otherwise it's not going to be there. And that's what this weekend is going to be about. Even though most of the fans listening right now and most of the fans that will be at FedEx Field, is as much as, like, e- even if they get into the game and it's like, it's Dallas week, can't stand losing to these guys. Look, can we ruin their their season? Can we ruin them winning the division? Somewhere in the back of your mind is like, but I really want that number two pick. And that's kind of where we are. It's just a it's a weird season. It's a weird, weird season, man. And it's almost finally mercifully over. Yeah, it is. But it's still Dallas week. So I'm excited. That's why I was so anxious, you know, to play the Commander song. Might be the last time until, you know, August. I mean, I think, I think we should be, like, you're allowed to play it during the... Uh, like during the 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 off season, there's times that oh, we're gonna have some good moments. I feel like I hope so. Yeah. I hope it's not all bad. That would be terrible. <laughs> we waited all this time to get to the off season so that changes could happen and we'd see what who Harris would hire and uh-huh. you know, like when can you imagine you hire the new head coach and it's like we want Dallas. It's like hey, let's go. Yeah, we're ready now. Let's party. We have some competence here. We at, coming at. At all levels of the organization, and we're working on go- graduating from competent to good. Mm. Yeah. How about how you like them apples? <laughs> Dallas Cowboys on the verge of a division title. Everything seems to be clicking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Next year's going to be interesting. Like, they're going to lose their, They're going to lose Dan Quinn. Yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts, Cowboys fans. Yeah. Or something like that. Meanwhile, uh, do you have the Rivera sound? From, I do indeed. From today? Uh, Ron Rivera said this today, and it's caused quite a stir. Before, or as much as you have in general. You know, it's it's interesting, and, and I don't know if people will agree with me or believe in what I'm saying, but no, we're not. Um, I managed for about three and a half years. While I was here, I managed. Um, probably the last five weeks I've coached. You know, getting back and doing the defensive coordinator stuff was really was. You can ask some of the guys now. 
that's been fun. That really has. Um, you know, there are some really fond memories I'll have of them. You know, <laughs> um, you know there really are. And, and we'll see what happens. I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen. All I know is we play on Sunday. I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to go out there and play and see what happens. Somebody asked me earlier today, you know, uh, how do you get how do you get motivated for this game? Hell, it's Dallas. How do you not get motivated? So there you go, Ron Riffin at the end there. But the, the most important part, the quote that has gotten everyone's attention is, I was managing for three and a half years. I've been coaching for five weeks. And Anthony, it's almost like I've been telling people some version of that the last couple of weeks on the show. And I know Logan mentioned it on the podcast today as well. Like, <laughs> you got a guy in Ron Rivera that was sitting way up here surface level for most of his tenure. And the last couple of weeks has been forced to get back in the weeds. And what has happened is a lot of players who weren't super fond of Rivera, who were like, all this dude does is cause us problems when he mismanages the clock or when he opens his mouth at the podium and then we have to answer questions. And yeah, you know, we respect him and we were, we had his back when he had cancer and, you know, he has saved us occasionally from answering some of the ownership questions. Like there's some, some good management stuff that Ron has done, but like this dude's supposed to be our head football coach. And they're, they see him as defensive coordinator. And they're like, Oh, I get it now. He's got some juice. His energy's different. I like this guy. I like defensive coordinator, Ron Rivera. And so Factually speaking, what Ron Rivera is saying there is accurate. And what I would tell him is, buddy, you've been in charge the whole time. This is this is a thing that I have been wondering aloud into that microphone for basically the entire time we've been doing this radio show and for all the fill-in work that I did before that, all the part-times, all the weekends, all the nights, uh, over on the fan, fill in here, et cetera, et cetera, is it is clear at times that Ron Rivera has different ideas than his coordinators. That whether it's EB this year, certainly Scott Turner the past couple of years on the offensive side, or you look at what they're doing with Del Rio right, or from Del Rio to Rivera's defense right now, and it's like, yeah, you clearly had some different ideas because you've changed some stuff, bro. You've pared down and simplified in a way that like this defense is playable, even if it's not good, but like there's only so much you can do in the middle of the season and you got the same personnel and you intentionally did some stuff personnel-wise to make yourself worse and basically not have a pass rush. Um, not that the pass rush was thriving beforehand, but like I think if Montez Sweat was here now, he'd be having a, a maybe not as good of a time he's having in Chicago, but Montez Sweat would have finished this year very different than he started it if he was in this system, not what Del Rio was running. Um. And the thing is, if the 49ers were losing and Kyle Shanahan wasn't running the offense and he wasn't very involved and he was like, I'm just trying to manage, you'd be like, dude, the reason you got the job is because you're one of the best coaches in the league. And Ron Rivera is the manager who decided that Ron Rivera, the coach, wouldn't be coaching. And so ultimately at his job of head coach, no matter what he, he's talking about, management versus coaching, Ron Rivera, maybe Ron Rivera, the manager, failed Ron Rivera like the whistle football coach, the X's and O's schematics football coach, but it's the same dude. And so I don't really have a lot of, like, a lot of sympathy for it. 
I have a little bit of empathy because I also know that he was managing like Snyder, basically, and some of that stuff and the transition to 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 Josh Harris and there were head coachy type of things that were unique to this organization that he had to manage for sure. But part of managing is allocating resources. So if he needed to go coach, he needed to hire someone to go and take care of that other stuff. And so you can't, like, I'm glad that Ron has had a better time because I don't root for people to have bad times, right? I don't, I don't think Ron being bad at what he's been bad at means that he should have to suffer, right? I'm glad that he's had more fun the last five weeks. I'm glad that he's shown that he's still got a little bit left on the coaching side of it. To the, would you consider bringing him as like a season? Or even if you're a young offensive coach somewhere other than here, would you hire him as your DC like Sean McVay did Wade Phillips? Probably not. Wade was coordinating top five defenses very recently before that. Ron hasn't been a defender outside the last five weeks in a long time, well over a decade. But good for him to have this on the way out. But it's your fault that you haven't been here all along. And as I said on Twitter earlier, do I think that if Ron Rivera was coaching more, this team would be a 12-win team every year? Of course not. Would they have been better? Probably. And I do think that on a larger level, the CEO head coach model is dying. Because if you're that removed from the day-to-day, it's really hard to know what a team needs. And I think being more involved on one side of the ball keeps you sharp in a way that Ron Rivera hasn't been as a head coach and especially as a personnel person trying to do both these last four years. And so, you know, that's hindsight. That's easy for me to say now, and we don't know how it would have went alternatively, but it certainly is something that I wonder when Ron looks back and reflects whatever that's worth on his time here, and he's like, well, I only got to coach a little bit. And it's like, yeah, man, who made that decision? It wasn't all circumstance. You decided to do that. And he ultimately is going to have to own that, um, whatever that ultimately means. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And when we get back, who you should be rooting for on Sunday to ensure that the Commanders get the number two pick. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Hope that you are having a fantastic Friday, a football Friday on the Team 980, driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Anthony, it was kind of funny today uh, seeing the reactions of everybody being like, what am I doing here on a Friday? Because uh, normally I do the show from home on Fridays, but because I've been doing the show from home most of the week, uh, I was like, I'll come in. Uh, I got to talk to CK about something real quick and... Uh, I got to set something up for Monday, uh, Monday show. And uh, I, I also, um, I, when I used to be in here on Fridays a little bit more often, our football Friday sponsorship, I printed it out. So I had it and I, I love to see that it's been treated with the respect that it deserves. This is uh, this is a beat up piece of paper. Yeah, it's probably been, you know, moved and tossed around. And it's been a, a while though. It to looks be like honest, it's been burned. Whoa, it's been burned? Like, these holes right here in the paper, Good gracious. they, I don't, I, they're probably pen marks, but they look like little, like someone was being a little pyro. Because, <laughs> like, the black, what's probably ink, just looks like burn marks. And I'm just saying, with, like, Matt Essig and Chris Russell rolling around, they're wild cards, bro. 
<laughs> you never are they, know. Are they suspects? They are suspects in whatever happened over here. <laughs> they are both suspects and suspect. Oh, uh, okay. See what we did there? Yes. But anyway, we're a Football Friday. Uh, we're presented by your local Honda dealer, and we're excited about it. You know what we're excited about? Draft picks, baby. Why? Because that's where we're at in the season. That's just kind of what... Uh, the reality of the Washington Commander season is something that we'll talk about with Clinton Yates coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, talk about the end of the Rivera era and then talk a little college football playoff as well. Uh, Logan's thoughts on everything coming up as well at the top of the hour in Take Command. But uh, here's what you need to know. I think this this deserves a full a full treatment, Anthony. Let's let's get the mute. Whoa, we're just throwing stuff now over here. Let's get the music going. Let's give it the full treatment. Here is what. Oh nope, I don't. Do you have oh. NFL music that you can play? Because I got I got an error over here. Uh, give me like five seconds. Okay. Because my computer's also moving really slow. In five, four, three, two, one. It's loading. Okay. Yeah. This is now we're now in a race. Anthony and I are two tortoises racing to see who can get. The music going first. It's getting ridiculous. so that we can tell you who. Yeah, I got. It. I won. You got sucker. It. <laughs> uh, we can tell you who to root for this weekend. One, you root for the Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Uh, you need them to win, otherwise, most of this is irrelevant. I guess unless all the teams win uh, that are in the mix for the Commanders. But getting to five wins could potentially bring in a lot more teams. Right now, the way it stands. You have, obviously, the Panthers, who have locked up the number one pick on behalf of the uh, Chicago Bears, mm-hmm. uh, or the other way around. The, the, yeah, the Bears have locked up the pick uh, courtesy of the Panthers. Uh, they're, they're the worst. Uh, Patriots, 4-12. and Cardinals, 4-12. and uh, Commanders, 4-12. and And then there's the Giants, the Titans, and the Chargers, all that have five. Really? Music's just going to free. I thought I won the race. The race is over, music. You just need to keep running. Uh, Giants, Titans, Chargers all have five wins. So, obviously, if everybody wins, if Patriots suddenly win, which is possible, by the way, they they face the Jets, Uh, the Cardinals win, and then the Commanders win, um, you bring these other teams into the equation. But, assuming losses here, and assuming what, or or assuming that, that we can power through here, uh, and and get what we need. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. You want Pittsburgh to win. Mm-hmm. So, Lamar not playing this nope. weekend. Very helpful. Mason Rudolph has had the, the Steelers offense looking good. Uh, and they also, by the way, they've already secured uh, Mike Tomlin's 17th straight winning season, which is nuts. Uh, but they could get to 10 wins. That's got to be one of the worst 10-win teams I could ever remember. Yeah. I don't know who's in the else is in the mix, but it definitely feels like it feels like that's not a good team, but they could do it and that would be helpful for the Commanders. And I I do believe you need like 3 of these, but there's one of these games I think Atlanta New Orleans counts double Ooh. because of the way the schedules conflict. So whatever that's worth. Houston and Indy uh, I believe that Atlanta, New Orleans is the one that counts double. Houston at Indy. Let's go Colts. So we need we need the Colts. We need your boys. Tell Zaire. In fact, call Zaire right now. And just be like, Z, 
I know you guys are fighting for a playoff spot. I know this means a lot to you to, to go up against C.J. Stroud and make a statement. I know you're pissed right now because you got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. You're going to have 1,100 tackles on Sunday. <laughs> but we need you to help us get the number two pick. You got to go beat Houston. I'm going to let him know. Okay. Relay that message. Okay. Um, so anything, anything we can do to add to the fire? Uh, that, I mean, I, I think you did a, a great job, you know? I, I think the, the Z's going to kill someone this weekend, yeah, and it's going to be the great. Pro Bowl snub really, really hurt. So yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. he's really eager to get out there. Yeah, uh, Atlanta at New Orleans. Uh, you want New Orleans to win, so you're looking for bad Taylor Heineke, who's even starting for the for the Falcons. Is it Heineke, or they go back to Ritter again? It might be Heineke. I think it's Heineke. Remember, they benched Heineke to bring in Ritter at the end of last week, and then Ritter threw another pick. Anthony, actually, you're starting at quarterback for the Falcons this weekend. I think I would do a solid job, to be honest. I can hand the ball to Bijan. Oh, Heineke is actually questionable. Mm. But he will start if he can go. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Bodes well for New Orleans. Saints, do the damn thing. This is going to be a tough one. Uh, Bears at Packers. Uh, So it's at Green Bay, which is helpful. Uh, Justin Fields has been talking a little smack, uh, kind of, but not really. Like he said something that's actually very factually obvious, uh, which is there's not a lot to do in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, but there's been there's been some some rivalry kerfuffling this weekend, uh, and and you got the Packers is who you need to win if you're the Commanders, and then Denver at Las Vegas, you want Vegas to win, which feels doable. This feels like you could go five for five, the way the injuries and stuff are panning out. Mm-hmm. Houston Indy is going to be tough. Houston, I'd pro- I'm going to probably pick Houston in that game uh, as much as I will be rooting for Z. Um, Chicago, Green Bay could get hairy, but I-, I like Green Bay's chances. Jordan Love's been playing really well. And then Denver, Las Vegas is a bit of a wild card, but the way Vegas' defense has been playing and the way uh, you know uh, Denver's been kind of rolling into the end of this season... Uh, I think I think they got a good shot here. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, this is you know week eighteen, and I need some uh, miracles. So whoever you decide to go for, I will be going opposite of that. So oh, you're, you're gonna you're gonna play that game this week? Yes, yeah, so I'm glad you're going Houston. I'm glad you're going Green Bay because I was thinking the Bears anyway. And uh, I will be with you though with. Las Vegas. I think that's an yeah. obvious one right there. The thing is, for the Commanders and the number two pick, though, I don't know that it's going to matter. Like, I don't know that these games are going to matter because I think the Jets are going to lose to the Patriots. Like, I was I was taping a national hit today with my guy Andrew Filipponi mm-hmm. uh, for the FanDuel show that he does on the weekends across the Odyssey Sports Network. And he asked me, like, do you think that there's any win-win for the Gipper for Rivera? And I do not think that there's any of that. I do think there's going to be some of that for Belichick. Ooh. And the Jets' offense is terrible, and the Patriots' defense is good. Yeah, so, people are at least playing for the Patriots, too. We got a couple of people out. Deron, yeah. I mean, not Deron, John and uh, John Kendall is out, so far. And, I, yeah, so far, I think, is a key word. I don't yeah. think Cam's going to wind up playing, et cetera. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a really good chance that the Commanders lose, and then the uh, Cowboys – or, sorry, the Patriots win, and then yeah. none of this really matters because the, the Commanders uh, are safely ahead of the Cardinals. So yeah. there's that. All right, that is what you need to know in terms of who to root for for the number two pick, the games that you need to know, the games you need to, to have an eye on. Uh, it is the, oh, where'd it go? 
Uh, it is the Steelers over the Ravens, the Colts over the Texans, Saints over the Falcons, Packers over the Bears, and the Raiders over the Denver Broncos. When we get back, Clinton Yates joins us to reflect on the end of the Ron Rivera era. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, and we're always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. It's a Friday, and football season is basically over, which means Clinton Yates has returned home. Yes, your home is on Fridays. Yes. That's, that's what we're saying here. That is correct. Do you Are you a happy new year? How long does your happy new year mm. window extend, Craig? Because it's this Friday. It's the last business day of the week, but people have different criteria for different people on this. Like if it's somebody I'm going to see who I see a lot, but I haven't seen in January, I still might say it. But if it's somebody yeah. I don't see a lot, you know, it's a tough one. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think there's necessarily a hard and fast rule. I do think your gradient uh, is is the correct way to approach it. I think generally speaking, the first week is pretty good. Like once yeah. once we've had another, like once we're at January eighth, and it's like, all right, this is the second Monday of the year. Like we're we're in this thing. Um, but especially this week because it fell on a Monday. It's a short week. Like I, I feel like Clinton. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Gregory. You know where I spent New Year's? Las Vegas, Nevada. I was yeah. there for five days. I do not recommend Why? that to anybody. It's a long story. I went to see my cousin play. As you know, he plays with Bruno Mars. So we spent New Year's with the hooligans, and uh, it was just cheaper to be there for a couple more days. Do not advise. No, there is New Orleans, Las Vegas, yeah. <laughs> and probably Miami, probably yeah. a couple other cities that I'm forgetting. Strict four-day rule. <laughs> Max. Max, that's strict. Day. And that's like including your travel days. Like you oh, arrive, yes. that's day one. You have day two and day three that are full. On a day four, you leave. You get the bleep out of town and you do not think twice about it. I left day five afternoon. That was a brutal plane ride. That's all I'm going to say. That is, that is 36 hours too many, <laughs> sir. Um, see, in New Orleans, though, it's easy because if you don't leave, then you, your body just shuts down because of the amount of butter that you've been taking. Yeah, it's just, uh, there's it's just... other other considerations in the other cities. The big easy, way easier. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, I have to get out of here. Anyway, apropos of none of that, okay. uh, Clint Yates, of course, commentator for ESPN, with us here on the Hoffman Show, and uh, Clinton. The Ron Rivera era is coming to a close. Uh, he is. Is likely done. I say likely, most certainly done after Sunday's game. We expect an announcement sometime fairly early on Black Monday. Um, when you think of the Ron Rivera era, the four years that have been here in Washington, how would you uh, eulogize the uh, the soon dying era? Milk toast is a word that comes to mind, and also, I've thought about this quite a bit. When you think about like the coaches in the history of the franchise, they all had something that people either liked or people either hated or people thought was really cool. Ron, it's just, it was so boring. It just felt like nothing was ever truly happening. Always, we got to take a look at this. We got to take a look at that. We'll see next week. It was like, Grandpa, all right already. Can we go to the carnival? You know what I'm saying? It just felt like sitting on the porch the entire time, never really wanting to mix it up in the streets or even have fun with the rest of the family in the backyard. It just felt like a holding pattern where 
the goal was to try to get somebody that was a proven NFL guy, that was a name folks recognized, but it felt like a little bit of a retirement plan for Ron Rivera. And I'm not mad at him for that, but it's got to be one of the least exciting coaching errors that fans of that team have seen in a really – it goes a long way, bro. And this guy didn't have much of it, in my opinion. Yeah, at least for Spurrier. We got 5-11. and 11, Not very good. Dadgummit. Um, <laughs> dadgummit. Uh, I think it's interesting that, to, like, Milk Toast is both correct and crazy because it also was four years of nonstop chaos. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's always there's always something. And some of it was, like, really serious and sad. Like, Ron having cancer was a real thing. And, like, yeah. the way the guys battled, you know, battled for him and, and, and kind of rallied around him and, and the team. You know, it was also at a weird time in – for all of us, because that was happening during peak of COVID in 2020. Um, like that was kind of a, a just, I mean, a lot of things happening. But then you have like, like all the stuff with Chase Young, all the constant quarterback searching and consternation. The sale of the team was all, and, and all the investigations are always swirling in the background. Like it has been four years of nonstop chaos. And, and in a weird way, like Ron was brought in to kind of settle down the Bruce Allen, Jay Gruden, whatever that was. Yeah. And it feels like in so many ways, it just never stopped. It just it, kept on going. And sometimes he was trying to, to plug the holes, but it just, it just never did. That's true. But that's also part of the reason why when I think of Ron Rivera, I actually think about football. I don't really ascribe all that other stuff to him. Sure, he was the head coach. Sure, he was the one that was sort of assigned to kind of keep it under wraps whilst things changed. But they didn't. And also the product didn't get a ton better or worse as well. And so I'm willing to say, okay, Ron, you walked into a franchise that needed you. I'm not going to say that you're the person I think of when I think of the lawsuits, when I think of the sale of the team. I, I don't know necessarily know that that really was going to change no matter who that coach was. And so I try to keep it to the football. And when I think about, for example, with the GM, like how many pro bowlers have they had in his era? Zero. I mean, okay. Like, you know, I'm, they have I, not drafted. No, like, they've had guys make the Pro Bowl. They have drafted none of them. The only okay. guys that have made the Pro Bowl are Deron Payne, Terry McLaurin, John Allen, and Jeremy Reeves on special teams, all of whom predated this, reg this regime. Well, that's exactly my point. If you look at the actual football, you're just kind of like, ho hum. You might have had a couple of good wins here and there. There might have been a couple of quarterback controversies here and there, but that's nothing new in D.C. That's the backbone of the daggone franchise. They're the second most next to Cleveland in this situation, and look who's playing quarterback there. Like, I just kind of feel like at some point this franchise has to commit to somebody who either is in alignment vision-wise with whoever the GM is and the owner is, none of these power struggles any longer, or somebody that playing just people like. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't mean to get all off into other things, but the idea of a sexy hire, I, I don't find that unattractive for a team that otherwise you don't, know where the, the, you don't know where they're going. The question is, what is attractive to one person versus another? Is a staid veteran like a Rivera or let's just say the heavens open up and Bill Belichick wants to walk back into the East Coast and move on down the line? And sure, that is, but you know, you got to get somebody that people want to show up to see as opposed to who are just willing to deal with because they care about football that much. I think the fan base deserves that, if that makes sense. Personally, I think the GM hire is probably a little bit more important to the larger goal, but I do think that the head coach of this team is a very important next hire from an optic standpoint, for sure, for the commanders. 
Yeah, no, I, I do. I, I also, though, like, I just think this fan base will, they'll say whatever they say on the day that it's hired. And if someone starts winning, then they'll get on board. Perhaps. Like, it has yeah. been so bad. And I, and I think, too, to go back to, like, your larger point, Rivera's football tenure has been so unremarkable that there is nothing to outshine all the other stuff that I was talking about, right? Like, correct. that's where the milk toast yes. and kind of the, the chaos Absolutely combine correct. is that the milk toast was so milk toasty, <laughs> so unremarkable that there's no football data point where you're like, oh, yeah, that's the big thing in the last four years, unless you intentionally block out the other stuff and then make your list of the worst things that he's done or the best things that he's done. Yeah, or unless we're going to have Heineke be the story of your era, which it probably was, if we're being probably. very honest. You know what I mean? From a football run standpoint. And that, sure, that's great, but that's not, look, that's not at the level of anything. You don't got to go that far up the road to see how a real franchise operates with a real quarterback. And yeah, they had real problems in the sense that there was a holdout and all that with Lamar, but guess what? He came back and guess what? They built a team and guess what? They've got to buy into the playoffs. They're not worrying about Black Monday, you know, in a situation like this so you know it's an important hire for josh harris it's not make or break per se but i do think it's something that you've got to figure out are you are you going to go gm coach or are you going to say here's the two guys i'm bringing in together i think that's one of the more difficult choices that owners are forced to deal with because i don't know that the days of the coach and the gm being the same person are something we're going to see much more in the nfl no there's going to be i think there could be three people hired no not two like mm -hmm. I think you're you're looking executive football, you know, okay. whatever vice president, you know, whatever that yeah. that senior title that like your job is to make sure the whole organization is working together and maximizing resources level. GM, like okay, you're the scouting guy, you're picking the players, and then coach, and they'll all come from similar similar enough, you know, philosophical backgrounds that they're on the same page. But hopefully, I think you you probably get one of those that's got a lot of experience and has been around, one that's kind of a young mind, and then. You know, we'll see what, what other gaps you need to fill in. Um, I, but I think that's going to be the plan. And I think that's the right plan I, I for any agree. team. And, I, and, I, and I, I know that we're speaking sort of theoretically here, but this is a big year for the commanders. The draft, huge. What happens yeah. in the offseason, massive. It is the defining first part of the Josh Harris era. Sure, it was great to buy everybody Bud Lights when you guys are out there at the bullpen. Sure, <laughs> it was funny to get a meme on national television when you couldn't shake somebody's hand. But that's not football. This is the first step of the important football decisions. And I do think that there is an element of how Ron makes an exit that's going to matter here. Like, if they, let's just say they win this game. Let's just say they screw around and beat the Cowboys. Like, yikes. What happens there? Are you going to can him that night? I don't think you're going to do that. I think you've got to have a little bit more grace with it because if nothing else, Ron did fall on a couple swords during his time here. So like there are some decisions to be made diplomatically, if you will, that I think are going to affect how the fan base feels about it. And that's a tough spot to be in, which is why I would have fired him earlier in the year. So you didn't have this problem now, Gregory, but that's just me. I don't, I don't know that there's a problem. I think that no matter what, like, you know, hey, Ron, thanks thanks for, you know, beat Dallas forever. You know, you get that memory. Uh, to, I think Monday morning is the time, no matter what. Like, I am I am so unconconcerned with the timing of this on Sunday night okay. versus Monday morning. Okay. Also, because the Eagles screwed around and lost the Cardinals and the Cowboys can win the division uh, and the Lions uh, two-point conversion thing happened, this <laughs> game crazy. should be at 1 o'clock. So this game's not going to – it's not. It's at 425. This game's not going to end until 730. We're not – I don't think we're getting news Sunday night. Okay.
All right. That's not going to stop me from going to the game just in case. It's not, not going to stop me from going to what should be a very <laughs> candid locker room. For that final image of Ron Rivera with the finger in the air, <laughs> I gave you my best and I still wasn't enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. I just... In the story yes, of the life, I definitely mean to laugh. In the story of the football <laughs> life of Ron Rivera, I still don't even know how high Washington ranks on his personal list, which is such an odd thing to say for a guy who's been in the NFL for that long. It was funny today. He at his press conference, you know, was kind of riffing, and he's like, you know, people are asking me how I get motivated for this game, and it's like, it's Dallas. How can you not be motivated? And I was like, there's, there's the old Gipper. Uh, anyway, uh, Clinton Yates with us here on the Hoffman show. He's going to stick around for a little bit longer. We'll talk a little college football playoff next. It's the Hoffman show. We're on the team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Clinton Yates joins us uh, for one more segment. Of course, ESPN. You can watch him on around the horn. Listen to ESPN daily, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you, sir, have, have intaken quite a bit of college football this year, going around doing some of the Heisman House stuff. Uh, you you actually watch. You got to see Caleb Williams out there in, yep. as you're in L.A. We should probably talk about that in a moment. But let's start off with the, with the playoff. Uh, Michigan beats Alabama, and then Michael Penix puts on a show for Washington. Uh, championship game, obviously, on Monday. Any strong lean either way on how that one goes? Rooting for Washington, like Washington, think Washington will win. Um, that team has at minimum two guys as receivers that are going to play on Sundays, two of them who might even go in the first round. Are you listening commanders? And I just sort of feel like they are a better football team. I know Michigan's been ranked number one. I understand all that. But when I look at the pieces that they put together, the Huskies, they've been good like this for two years now. I just think they're a little bit more special of an offense and how they run things don't necessarily like, I don't have a problem with Michigan being there. I'm not one of these guys that thinks that, Oh, if you're going to vacate the championships, then Jim Harbaugh shouldn't be there. And I don't care about that crap. That doesn't matter to me. I I like this Washington team. I think that they are better composed from a balance standpoint. And I like Michael Penix jr. He's the story of a kid that not unlike many quarterbacks these days in college, Transfers from a big school to another school, gets a Heisman shot, finds himself for the national title. It's amazing how that route has become fortuitous for a lot of guys, Caleb Williams included, and he's really done a great job with it. If those who don't know, Penix is a bit of an injury issue. It's one of the reasons why he's not marked higher on the draft board. Once again, commander's front office, I'm talking to you, but I still think he has the skill set of anybody that's as good as anybody in this draft that is immediately applicable to the league. That's the key thing for this. A lot of guys, yeah, you can say they got potential, but it doesn't seem quite obvious just what they're going to do well at the next level beyond just develop and potentially be better. Michael Penick Jr., I think, could walk into the NFL right now and be a pretty solid starter compared to the rest of the guys that are running teams in the league at this point for non-playoff squads. Yeah, so he's such an interesting one for me. I always worry about older quarterbacks, not because like, oh my God, by the time he gets to a second contract, he'll be 28 years old. I don't I don't care. Right. Quarterbacks that are good and and understand how to stay healthy, which, you know, some of his injury luck injury stuff has been bad luck. It's not like he doesn't know how to do it and he's stayed healthy for the last couple of years. Um, like these guys play until they're they're mid thirties. Like I'm not I'm not that concerned about getting two contracts worth out of a, a first round pick. But it's like are you a 23-year-old who's just beating up on 19-year-olds because you're smarter and more developed as a human being? Sure. Or did you 
develop and figure some things out. And, you know, that's your, you can continue that trajectory to the NFL. And there's been a couple of guys as of late that have proven that like, don't really worry about the age. And I think Penix could definitely fall into that group. Some of the the underlying data for him is awesome. Like one of the things that I think we worried about with Sam Howell and we've seen it this year is like his sack to pressure ratio in college was terrible. He took a ton of sacks. Yes. He had pressure all the time. Penix is like one of the most ridiculous numbers I've ever seen. He's at like 6.8%. Where like Williams is in the twenties, I think, or high teens, twenties. So you know some of the stuff that you worry about for guys going pro, like Penix doesn't have that, and he's got a crazy quick release. Like he's accurate, make all the throws. Like it looks a little funny sometimes, but like, yeah, but that's only because he's that left-handed. Dude can win from the pocket. That's the only right. reason it looks funny. You it's, know what's crazy? Did you see the video that I was did. going around of him getting flipped? I he did looks see like Lamar. That. It, he His looks release like, looks like Lamar. So I think. And this, I don't know how old this is. What I said when I was talking about this on ESPN Daily the other day, he reminds me a little bit of a left-handed Randall Cunningham. And that is a little bit of a different, like a throwing motion thing. From his left hand, he looks like a right, he looks like a left-handed version of the right-handed guy. Anyway, that's not the point. But Kalen DeBoer, his coach, who came with him from Indiana, is a large part of that. I'm not saying you hire away a coordinator from college to take with a quarterback. What I'm saying is that Penix is shown to be a student of the game that has affected his ability to be more than just a 23-year-old beating up on 19-year-olds. That is part of why he was able to go to Washington, the Huskies, that is, and be so effective so quickly. And part of the reason why he was named a captain as a transfer immediately, not just because he was the big guy that was coming in. He came from Indiana. They had other guys. There wasn't (laughs) supposed to be a competition there. It wasn't. I think that he's got the football IQ that we've seen that sort of I trust and it's really really tricky because you do have to make a decision do you go with yet another big kid from North Carolina or do you go with somebody who's got a proven track record but doesn't necessarily have a ton of awards even though he does have plenty when I'm referring to her Heisman's if somebody who does is there it's not an easy choice I can't decide how hard this choice is compared to the rest of it because as in the head coach and the general manager because you know it's a player so it's a little different but yeah, not an easy pick. I don't I I just don't know what the philosophy is going to be on this. And I really hope that Josh Harris does. Yeah, no, I, I think that I mean the good news is they have a lot of options from trading down to taking someone at two, yeah. if that's where they wind up, to, you know, does Penix have a bad national championship game and all of a sudden he's available at thirty four when you take at the top of the second? Sure. Like and you steal a guy there. I I think there's you know, you build out the roster. I think it's pretty fascinating. The one guy that everyone does seem to agree is worth it at one is Caleb Williams. You have seen him up close and personal out there in L.A. He's definitely didn't have the year that I think a lot of people were anticipating based off the Heisman campaign the year before. But he also threw for a ton of yards. He did. You see the skill set. Like, what do you make of Caleb Williams? Honestly, Craig, I don't know. And I don't say this as a knock on the kid. DC kid, Gonzaga kid. I mean, I've seen that kid play in a lot of different places. But I don't know because I never ever loved the system he played in with Lincoln Riley. People talk all the time about how Lincoln Riley is a quarterback whisperer and this, that, and the third. But when these guys get to the pros, it gets a little different if they're not specifically running something that is obviously already proven. Kyler Murray, it took him a while to sort of adjust. Baker Mayfield and all these guys, like they could play, but how that quick strike style manifests itself at the pro level for a player who is his best skill might be improvisational ability. 
You know what I mean? Like, if you were thinking about him, what would you say that he has that is definitely above all the other guys? I don't know that it's arm talent. I don't know that it's speed. I don't even know that it's decision-making, but he's just a really good football player playing at quarterback. I'm not sure this team has the direction to take a guy like that and give him the keys to everything. That just seems like putting a lot of eggs in the basket of a young man who, A, as you mentioned, coming off of a down year in college, and B... Hometown franchise resurrection savior, that's a big decision for a guy like that when you haven't had a lot of success recently with your quarterbacks. You know, that's what I'm saying. This decision is important for more reasons than football. There's an optics decision there. And that's why I said last week, I think they're going to draft a brother. I actually don't think it's going to be Caleb, though. Yeah, I, I think that like the hope for Caleb as a player is he undergoes a similar trajectory as Mahomes. Sure. Or like Mahomes was this otherworldly creator at Texas tech and he sits for a year and there's no pressure on him. Like right. he's, he's not the first pick. He's the 11th pick. He sits a year behind Alex Smith. People are kind of ready for him when he comes, but they're not like, Oh my God, save us Patrick Mahomes. Cause they were already a playoff team, which means they're also with some infrastructure around him. That's, that's totally different that's than what Caleb will be yes. coming into here. Exactly right. That's the big difference. I just don't know that I believe in the developmental core of this franchise to make Caleb Williams the player that he probably really could be. I think that there are people, and this is the case in a lot of different sports for a lot of different things. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you want a guy that's more ready to play now, even if the higher ceiling isn't necessarily what you think it is. To me, that's where the commanders are. You don't necessarily – I mean, look – are they a playoff team tomorrow if they get Michael Penix Jr.? No, that's not what I think. But I right. do think that another project emotionally, psychologically, not that Layla Williams is a project. I mean, the project of getting him to an NFL level that's going to make your team good and not just have him shining in the stack book. That is a project because we don't know who's going to be involved. There's so many moving parts to this that Josh really is going to have to figure out what is his philosophy philosophy going to be are you going to just simply pick the best football player that your football guys tell you or are you going to say that's the human that i want not dissimilar to how you know daniel m snyder said i want bob i'm willing to take everything to get him because he's a star that worked out uh, eventually obviously had sort of you know the denouement and the untangling but you never know what a guy's going to do until he's in that position josh harris in the spotlight right and you know bob example is great because the the stuff that he did great shined and was successful for a while, but do you have the infrastructure to continue the growth to eventually build the foundation? You almost are building the foundation under uh, right. what is already you know a very decorated home, and it's like yeah, we gotta nobody look that yeah, the foundation is crumbling. Right. We have to rebuild We've it while bags, we're sailing. We got here. bags over the windows over here. Don't yeah. mind that. You Don't know mind that. The we're just gonna cruise. Are on the left, so you know, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a complicated decision, and that's why we're gonna spend the next four months talking about it at DC local radio here on the Hoffman Show. Pew 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 pew. Clint Yates Dang talking day. about all kinds of stuff uh, on ESPN Daily. They do a great job taking one topic each day, top Thank story, you. diving into it with some experts. Uh, so check that out daily on your favorite podcast platform, and of course uh, around the horn on ESPN and the occasional story. Uh, written word style in Anscape ESPN on papyrus. Com. Un Happy Unroll New Year. your papyrus. Happy New Year, Kyrie. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>